0: While Neil is getting ready, um, this guy, I love watching his journey as many of you have over many years, um, Neil's passion for For theology is inspiring. But what I love about how Neil goes about digging into the scriptures is that he's always looking for ways to make it applicable to our um, everyday lives. So he's not just digging and ferreting away just to find some magical truth or something. It's out of a desire for relationship with Jesus that, uh, that I see come through in his journey so strongly. And so this morning, I really welcome you to... Like theologians spend hours and hours reading and praying and digging into the Word, exploring many sources. And so you're going to benefit from a real sacrifice of, of time given by Neil uh, as he goes through in his studies and as he goes through... Um, understanding not just those studies but what's the Lord saying to us today as a church. He's looking and exploring for that all the time. So we're going to have a good time this morning in that place because that's Neil's heart and uh, let's ask that the Holy Spirit would come and bless him Mm. now. Yeah. Yeah we welcome you Holy Spirit. Again as I've just said we thank you for the gift that you've placed in Neil's heart to understand the scriptures and for the desire and, and the relationship journey that he's on with you, Lord, to dig a, a deep well, a deep well of understanding your word and understanding what it means for each one of us as we follow Jesus as his disciples. We welcome the truth of your word to now move across this room, that we would all um, be impacted this morning and grow closer to you, Jesus, in our discipleship journey, that your kingdom would break in in this room and on your people that our hearts would be open to you our eyes would see you our ears would hear you our bodies would be transformed by you so come and have your way this morning lord through what neil says bless him and fill him up now holy spirit in your name amen amen i've never been called a theologian before so thanks scott
1: And um, David spoke about the heart just before. So what I'm preaching today is kind of like a heart message. Okay, I hope you hear that. Because Kirk has been doing a series on kingdom generosity. Okay, and he, when he asked me to speak, he just said, you know, can you finish up this series? And I'm like, okay, Great. You know, and so hopefully you'll hear it all from a different perspective, um, because obviously Kirk's done a great job, you know, and I'm just here to put the full stop at the end of the sentence, okay? Um, just emphasise what he's done. He has done a great job at freeing us from expectations, from tithing expectations, okay? That possibly we ame- maybe may have been taught in the past. And hopefully he set a lot of things that set us free. Free for some people. For example, he said, you are free from having to tithe. It's not a requirement. It was under the old covenant, but not under the new. And that might have been controversial for some of us. Okay? And that might have been, you know, some pressure that we've felt in the past you know and some other teachings that kind of say if we don't bring the tithe we're robbing God okay so we're going to look at some of these things a little bit more and I even heard recently from a friend that some of this expectation was in some places they would send out a tithing invoice every month So hopefully we're gonna just continue freeing us from these expectations. And we're gonna look deep into scripture um, and hopefully you understand it. If I one of my goals, I guess, is to try and take complex scriptures, understandings, and try and make it simple. Okay, if I haven't done that, I haven't done my job very well. So that's my my goal today so we're going to look at those passages you know like deep in malachi um, you know where it talks about us robbing god and we're going to try and bring some good understanding to that another thing kirk said was be content with your pay ouch that was a big one for me okay because i was saying to kirk look i have been Going back a few years first, um, you know, I was on a good income, sizable saving, and now over the past few years, all of that's been dwindled away significantly, and I look around and I see all these companies, you know, raising their prices, and it's like, what's going on here, (laughs) you know? And I have been angry in my heart towards, you know, several companies, you know, for raising prices for basic supplies and things like that. And then Kirk comes along and says, be content with your pay. And it was like, I know that's in Scripture, but it was like, it, was like it hit my heart. And I realized I had to be honest with myself, and I was not happy. <laughs> but, you know, I needed to ask the Holy Spirit for help to be content with my pay. So there is some hard work, you know. That we have to do in order to live a kingdom, generosity, lifestyle. But we have the Holy Spirit to help our hearts and to help us. Now Hebrews says the new covenant is a better covenant. Jesus comes along and says, you know, you've heard it said love your neighbor. Okay, but I now say love your enemies. Ouch. It's a better covenant. It's built on better promises, but it's not necessarily easier. You see, it's easy to love your neighbor. It's easy to love the people you get along with. It's easy, but it's not so easy to love your enemies. Who here loves their enemies? Ouch! I shouldn't have put my hand up. I'm not there yet. But that's why we have a helper. Okay, The Holy Spirit to help our hearts Okay, in the new covenant. To help me be content with my pay. So it's a better covenant, but it doesn't mean it's easier. So the first slide I've got there is kind of summing that up. We need the Holy Spirit's help because it's a matter of the heart not a list of rules, but by the Spirit. And in Galatians, it talks about, therefore the law, or the old covenant, was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after the faith has come, or the new covenant has come, we are no longer under a tutor. The term tutor is like a school teacher or a nanny. In some versions, it calls it a prison guard. They were under... Uh, a prison guard during the law. But the whole idea of the covenant, the old covenant, was to teach them things. Just like you teach your kids, okay? How to do this, how to do that. That was the purpose of it until the faith came, until Christ came and said, You guys can now have the Holy Spirit as your teacher and your adults and grow up. It's just like a, a metaphor that we were kids and now we're adults. So, because the old covenant was, was, it also wasn't just give 10%, follow the law. You know, we're going to have a harder time, I think, living in a place of kingdom generosity. It's just easy sometimes just to give 10% and not think about it. So that's a kind of a recap of where Kirk's been. Okay, and as I said, I want to put the full stop at the end of his teachings and dig a little bit deeper into these scriptures. Okay, so to do that, um, we want to look at the motivation behind the tithe. Why did it even exist? And we want to dispel some of this heavy law-based teaching that you may have heard so you don't feel oppressed. You don't feel like you're robbing God. Okay. I've just asked Craig to be my voice. We're gonna read two scriptures. Okay, one is the the kind of the on-ramp that Kirk's been using for this teaching series, just to refresh you, and I've added just one in Luke twenty-one. So come on, Craig.
2: So the first reading is from Luke chapter 3, verses 7 to 17. I'm reading from the New International Version. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of those stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? the crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptised. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptise you with or in water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptise you with or in the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The second reading is Luke 20, verses 45 through to Luke 21, verse 7, New International Version. While all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honour at banquets. They devour widows' houses. And for a show, make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow is put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to take place? So, We have two scriptures
1: that almost say the same kind of stuff. We have Jesus here saying, don't listen to the teachers of the law. Why not? Aren't these the guys who study the scripture? They memorize Leviticus and Deuteronomy and all those little laws no one else knows about. They know them, they can quote them. And John says, look, here comes the brood of vipers. And Jesus says, don't listen to them. But they know the law. John says, the wrath of God is coming upon you. Jesus says, you guys are going to be punished severely. What is going on here? Well, Jesus goes on in verse 47. And he calls them those that devour widows' houses. These guys, the teachers of the law, they are going to be punished severely because they are not looking after the oppressed and the marginalized. They are proud because they know the law and they probably tell everyone about it. They probably love to tell people what they're doing wrong, what they should be doing. And Jesus says, don't listen to these guys. Even though they know the law in their head, they don't know what it's all about. Why did the law even exist? They've lost the heart of what the law was meant to bring. And John actually calls them out. And says, have you guys come to flee from the wrath that's coming upon you? And then he goes on and says, are you going to produce good fruit? Are you going to repent? In other words, are you going to change your ways and now produce good fruit? Are you going to do this? As he confronts the teachers of the law. Are you going to produce good fruit? So they all know the law, but they are not producing good fruit. And then John, you know, gives people practical advice. Don't rip people off. Don't charge one another too much. Help one another out. Look out for the outcast. Look out for the oppressed. These guys, the teachers of the law, they were meant to be the shepherds of Israel. They were meant to be stewarding God's temple. They got it mixed up. They love to tell people what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. They love to do their long prayers, okay? They love to be applauded, wear their expensive clothes and all that. But you know what really matters is what Jesus and John the Baptist are saying? Producing good fruit. You are devouring widows' houses. That is not good fruit. And because the teachers of the law were getting it wrong, getting the heart of it wrong, Jesus says, don't listen to them. They're going to be punished severely. The stewards of the temple, John says, God's wrath is upon them. John then goes on to say, the axe is at the root of the tree. Okay, So in the Old Testament, The tree is basically a metaphor for the nation God planted. He then goes on to say, he is ready to clear the threshing floor. Do you know where the threshing floor is? Verse 12 says, he has a winnowing fork in his hand. He is about to gather his wheat into the barn and burn up the chaff with fire. You know where his threshing floor is? You see, when King David built the temple, he bought a threshing floor. And that's where the temple was built, on the threshing floor. John the Baptist is saying, the threshing floor is about to be cleaned out. The temple is about to be cleaned out. The owner... Of the temple, God is coming to sort out the wheat from the chaff, the good from the bad. And John prophesies to these Pharisees Have you come to flee from this? Are you going to change and produce good fruit? Or are you going to continue to devour the widow? The temple system, which was set up to support what was going on, is now being used to oppress the poor, the foreigner. And the widow. And Jesus and John the Baptist in these scriptures are challenging that. Because it was never meant to be like that. The temple system had become corrupted. But it was meant to be a place of refuge. Let's look at a couple of Old Testament scriptures. Deuteronomy 26. Deuteronomy 26 and Deuteronomy 14. They're all about the tithe. Okay, I'm not going to read them all out, but just listen to what the heart of it is. Set aside a tenth of all your produce. Give it to the Levite, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. Deuteronomy 14, bring all the tithes every three years so that the Levites, the foreigners, the fatherless, the widows can come and eat and be satisfied. You see, Kirk mentioned that tithing was kind of complex under the law. And someone way smarter than me worked out that, you know, if we were to tithe like the Old Testament, it would be like something like 23% of your income. Okay? But look at those verses. Hear those verses. What was the heart behind it? It was essentially those few things to support the work of the priests, the Levites, And the work they did in the temple, because they had no inheritance given to them. And then the tithe would then be distributed to the poor, the fatherless, the orphans, the foreigners, and the widows. You see, the whole point of the temple system was to care, teach them how to care for the poor, the widows, and the foreigners. And when they get to the time of Jesus, they'd forgotten this. They are more worried about the length of their clothes. And Jesus calls them widow house devourers. The very temple that was meant to support the poor had become a place of supporting the teachers of the law. And this is why God is at the threshing floor. Now let's look at Malachi. And this will bring this all together. So this is that scripture that talks about us robbing God. You see... We may have heard this scripture, and this might have been kind of cherry-picked out of the context, you know, because people at this time were not bringing in the tithe. And maybe you've heard, don't tithe, Uh, sorry, if you don't tithe, you're robbing God. Well, God's not short of money, for starters, okay? God's not short of money. Second thing is, this is Old Covenant. The third thing is, it's taken out of context. So let me give you some context. Now, we're not going to read the whole thing, but I would encourage you, go read Malachi 2 and 3, and you'll understand the context of what's going on here. So it starts off in Malachi 3, I will send my messenger, who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord... You are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand it when he appears? He will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Do you hear the similar themes here? as to what's going on with John the Baptist and Jesus. You see, Malachi is actually prophesying that I will send my messenger before me. That's John the Baptist. And then the Lord will come. Jesus, he comes. So it's talking about the same thing. Jesus will come and sort out the temple. Now let's jump down to verse 7 for, time, for time's sake. We get to the robbing verse. How are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. So this is generally the part that kind of gets pulled out of context. But were they robbing God? Well, you see, in other versions, there's another word that's used there as well. Insulting. And it kind of means the same thing, insulting and robbing God. And the reason he's insulted, that God's insulted, is that the people are starting to think... It was a good idea to stop supporting the poor and start focusing on themselves. We jump down a little bit. Just maybe, uh, you have said, I think it's verse 14, Isaac, next page. You have said it is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements, what do we gain about tithing? And going on like mourners before the Lord Almighty. But now we call the arrogant, or some say the wicked, blessed. Certainly, evildoers are prospering. And even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. It is futile to serve God. That is why they stopped giving money to the temple. They had lost sight of of why the temple existed. The reason they were to give a tithe was to support the Levites in their work, the foreigners, the orphans, the fatherless, and the widow. They said, I'm giving money, but I'm not getting anything out of it. Those pagans over there, they're getting rich and they're prospering. Why should I give my tenth? They don't tithe. I'm not benefiting from this. Why aren't I getting rich? I'm doing the right thing. They had lost the idea of what God was trying to teach them, to care for the poor. Instead of giving to the temple to help support the work in the temple, their hearts had changed. What am I getting out of it? What do I get out of it? This is the insult, I think, that God was talking about. God had set up a system to help them to reach the poor, to look after the poor, to be a light for the Gentiles. They were robbing the widows and the orphans, insulting God because his system was set up to design, to teach them how to be generous and love their neighbour. But they decided they knew better. Ultimately, it became a hard issue. The system got corrupted. And by the time of Jesus, this is why he said, things have to change. Now, then we return to the New Testament story about the widow. You see, in Luke, we read that the widow gives her two copper coins. And Jesus says, look at this, everyone. Come on. Look at this poor widow. Look at her offering. In fact, she's given more than anyone else, than any of the teachers in the law. She's given it all, all she had. And you see, sometimes we look at that like, oh, she she gave 100%, you know, 100% of her money. Her heart must have been so amazing. Well, maybe, maybe, but that's not the point. I think we're missing the point. I think Jesus is pointing out the hypocrisy of the situation Who is the temple meant to be supporting The widow The widow is giving to the system that is meant to be supporting her That's the hypocrisy of the situation Jesus is pointing out the fact that she has now been seen that she, like she has to give something to be part of what's going on here by giving all she owns to the temple, to a system of support that is meant to be supporting her. She was not required to give her last two coins to the system. Widow house devourers, Jesus called them. This is the point Jesus is making. This is why in the temple system, what Malachi says, what John the Baptist says, What Jesus spoke, why they spoke so fiercely about it. He will come like a refiner's fire. Who told you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce good fruit. The widow's devourers, they're going to be punished severely. The temple system that God had started to teach people how to grow up had become corrupted and had to go. And then the people look around after Jesus You know, commented on this widow, and they're looking at the temple and they're seeing the gemstones and the gold. You know, each stone was covered in gold. And Jesus says, It's going to go. You see, these things, the day will come, not one stone will be left upon another. And 40 years later, it was destroyed as Malachi, John the Baptist, and Jesus prophesied destroyed by fire. The temple has lost its way, had lost its way. And 40 years later, it was destroyed by fire. Its purpose was lost. It was designed to support the outcast and it lost its way and had to go and be replaced. The last point I want to make. Kirk spoke a little bit about um, Melchizedek. And Abraham. And you may have heard kind of this concept that if you give your 10%, you'll get a blessing. In whatever form that blessing takes, Um, I'll leave that up to you. But you give 10% to the church and you'll get a blessing. So you give first and then you'll get a blessing. So Abraham and Melchizedek. All right, did Abraham get blessed before he gave the tithe or after he gave the tithe? You guessed it. Before Melchizedek the high priest came out and blessed Abraham, and after that, he decides to tithe. There's no, Abraham had no requirement to give a tithe. Remember that this was 430 years before Moses, before Mount Sinai, before the law. So this is no law before Moses. Okay? This is kind of like how we live now in the New Covenant. Abraham gave out of his generous heart, not under a requirement of the law. In other words, you'll get blessed... Whether you give your tithe or not, it's not a formula. It's this. It's your heart, okay? God will bless you whether you bring a tithe or not. Okay. So I'm going to finish here, and I really hope that helps, you know, bring some more freedom, okay, and this understanding, you know, of stepping out of formula covenant understanding, old covenant understanding, into kingdom generosity. Holy Spirit, help our hearts. So let's just check the slides there, Isaac. So they're the three scriptures I would encourage you to go and read. Okay, they all say the same thing. They all say the same thing. So I'm just going to summarise what I said. The temple system, or the tax and the tithe, was set up to support, originally, the Levites, the widows, the orphans, and the foreigners. The people's hearts had moved away from helping the poor, thinking they were not getting anything out of it. They started looking after themselves. They took their eyes off what they were meant to be doing and started focusing on themselves. The the temple was meant to be supporting the widow, not the widow supporting the temple. That was Jesus' point. We are under a new covenant. God will bless you whether you give money or not. Remember Abraham, he was blessed before he gave the tithe. And the new covenant is not easier. It takes a change of heart to give generously. It takes a change of heart to be content with your pay. But we have a helper. Yeah, I can I can. So I'll read it out. Malachi 2 and 3. Luke 20 45 to 21 verse 7. And Matthew 3. Seven to twelve. Now I want to finish on one last scripture, okay that kind of sums it all up. It's, a, it's kingdom generosity is all about the heart. So let's go to the next one on on James. Okay, I've got a couple of versions here. Okay This is another good one to look up. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this. To care for orphans and widows in their adversity and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Kirk has done some really good teaching on the practicals. Okay, if you miss those on the practicals of 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 giving money and being and stepping into a lifestyle. You know, starting with ten dollars, I think he was saying. Or, you know, five dollars or whatever. So, I hope this teaching helps put that full stop at the end of what he's said. Why don't we uh stand and pray? You know, I think the invitation for this morning is that if you need that helper, that holy Spirit, you know, to step out of what you've been under that you're robbing God, or you're, you're, not, you know, you're not getting a blessing unless you tithe. We want to step out of that and step into a heart, generous way of living. I think that's you know what we want to pray for. And what I'm going to pray for now, so Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence and your guidance. We thank you that you have set us free that we have stepped into faith under you, Lord. You gave us a new covenant to love one another based wholeheartedly on how you loved, not based on the condition of our heart, to help us love our enemies, to help us find ways to love people with or without our money, without our finances. We want to be good stewards. We want to be good Christians. Okay? We welcome the souls that you want to send to this place. We welcome the foreigners, the outcast, into our hearts, Lord. Let us help, help make room in our hearts for them, Lord. I thank you for the work of the pastors in this place, Lord, for Kirk and Nick, Lord. You know, they do an extraordinary amount that we will never know about. And we thank you that we get to support them in that role, Lord. And give us a heart more for the displaced in our community. And help us step out of this place of feeling like we've robbed you, Lord. You are not short of cash, God. You love all people and you want to bring hope and restoration. And let us be the light of the world. Let us be the hope that people need, especially as times are difficult. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing. Thanks to everyone who's uh, joined us online. And uh, if you guys, if anyone needs prayer, please come out now. Thank you.